1: Hey, guys, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to message number four in this series, The Rapture, Hope and Comfort. And that's what I want you to have. I want you to have hope and comfort. Now, I'm not going to go too far in this because you can get all of this in the audio series. But, you know, most of the time what we have been taught about the rapture was really a a combination of the second coming of Jesus and the rapture and those are two separate events but if you don't pay close attention when you read the scriptures you will think that the the scriptures are talking about these uh two events the same events whether well, they are absolutely not the same events so so uh the a rapture as we have talked about before this is when Jesus catches the body of Christ away uh actually we're caught away with him and we go I don't know what I we're going to be involved in, but I know this. We're going to go and prepare for the second coming of Jesus to come back with him to rule and reign on planet Earth and to overthrow the Antichrist, all of his wicked armies, all the wicked governments of the world, all the wicked uh, systems of every kind, medical systems, corrupt financial systems, uh, corrupt uh, uh, systems who, that pollute the world and destroy the world. And I will tell you, we're we're going to get to have a thousand years of living in a world of peace, and we help rule and reign at peace. Now, when we start looking for the rapture, I, I want to say this: I am today. I'm talking about instructions for survival, and what I really want is to have an overlap uh, that start that that talks about the kind of mindset that is paying attention to and is ready for the rapture. And if it requires anything on our part, any response on our part, when God calls out to us, uh, we'll we'll be ready. We'll be paying attention. We will be vigilant. And then also, if to whatever degree, to whatever degree we are here on planet Earth through difficult times, like the beginning of sorrows, we will be able to trust and follow God. And really, in many, many situations, people will be delivered uh, from harm just because they learn how to hear and obey. Remember, and if you've read my book, Apocalypse, which I hope you have, if you read my book, Apocalypse, you understand how the world got here. You understand what's going on and you understand what you can do about it. Because this is, Apocalypse is not a book. Uh, tries to get you filled full of fear and, and and come up with all of this uh extreme mystical stuff that's going to go on because remember the book of revelation is not a revelation of the antichrist it is a revelation of jesus christ who uh in the middle of the tribulation caused by the antichrist shows up and delivers us from planet earth delivers us from evil delivers us from from what, everything that's, that's trying to to harm us. Now, one of the things that I've had the interesting thing to do, you know, when I first got born again, I immediately uh, became what we'd call back then a street preacher. Now, that didn't mean I was standing on the corner screaming at people, but it, de- it did mean that I was out on the streets. I was in coffee houses. I was in what we call head shops back in those days. I was in every place that people of my generation would hang out and uh you know i was sharing jesus with them i would take teams into the park we'd play music people would gather around to listen and we'd share jesus with them so being a street minister or a street preacher didn't mean you were out there screaming at people in the street it just meant you were out on the street and you were finding the way to share the gospel with as many people as you possibly could well many many times back in those days i found myself in situations where. Sometimes my life was threatened, and sometimes uh, uh, there was always the threat of getting beaten up and that sort of thing. And I cannot tell you how many times, just because I paid attention to what the Lord was saying to me, I would uh, escape the plots and the plans that, that people had for me. Sometimes I would escape, get away, never have anything to do with them. Sometimes I would escape in a way that it would turn around. I would get to lead people who had been fully committed to my harm. I'd get to lead them to Jesus. So I'm, I'm telling you, it was it was incredible. And I started coming to realize that Jesus was my deliverer. I could trust him. I, you know, I could always count on the fact that no matter what kind of situation I was in, he was going to lead me out of a of, of threat and out of harm. And uh, so that was exciting, but I realize that most of you have never had those kinds of experiences. So when you look ahead to what's coming and actually what's already happening in the earth, but it's going to come more and more and more and more, it's not easy for a person who has never been in these situations uh, to, to understand what it's going to be like to hear the Lord, follow the Lord, trust the Lord, walk where the Lord tells you to walk, go where the Lord tells you to go, avoid the places that the Lord tells you to avoid. So, and I want to talk a little bit about that, but let me just give you one real quick reminder. I want you to remember hearing, being able to hear. Now, I'm not talking about just being able to hear the words. It's like you might hear the word someone speaks, but that doesn't mean you're hearing them and you're hearing what they mean. You're hearing what they intend. You're hearing what they're trying to convey to you. Well, the word uh, hear and the word obey in the Hebrew Old Testament. When you go down to the root word, they are the same word. That means that hearing and obeying is a continuum. In other words, this means that we only have the capability to hear what we already have the willingness to obey. And people say, well, "What do you mean have the willingness to obey? If you don't know what He's going to say, how do you know if you if you're willing to obey or not?" Well, that's a heart factor, and uh, and I can tell you this. You want to live a life where you are ready, no matter what it is, in an instant to obey anything the Lord speaks to you without him having to explain it to you, without you having to have any confirmations, without you going and talking to other people and saying what they think. You've got to be able to hear the voice of God for yourself if you want to discover what it's like to uh, have these incredible situations where God saves your life, or God gets you out of trouble, or God gets you out of a uh, uh, automobile accident, or God gets you out of a home invasion. I'm just telling you, I have done all of this, and I've done all this for decades. So, I again, I want you to realize that in the um, rapture, there is a possibility. There is a scriptural possibility that. It may require a response from us to participate in the rapture. I don't know that's hundred percent true, but I am telling you the hints of it are there in, in more than one place. And, but certainly we have to hear, trust and obey what God speaks to our heart. If we want to live in survival and deliverance and freedom from hardship and tribulation. So. So I want to talk to you about about practical application, because that's the thing. Wisdom is the practical application, practical, successful application of the word of God, where it produces what it is supposed to produce uh, in your life. And if we never come to the place where there is practical application, then, uh, uh, you know, John chapter eight tells us that we're really not even, we're not even disciples. We can't even claim to be disciples. And if, if we don't bring the word into practical application, it benefits us nothing. Now, Matthew, chapter, starting chapter 5, all the way to the end of chapter 7, is in fact one long sermon. And man, this is a sermon that every year you could spend weeks studying, praying over every aspect of, of this sermon that starts in the Beatitudes in chapter 5 and goes all the way to the end of chapter 7. I'm telling you, every single time I go through and study these scriptures, I learn things that I didn't know. And, it, and it's not just the kind of things that you learn and you're going to say, ha, 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 I've got information you don't have. It's more the kind of thing that you learn about practical life that you put into practice. So, anyhow, we get all the way down to Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. And it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. Which is in heaven now we have already talked about this that that many times we think that the parables or some of jesus teachings are talking about going to heaven or going to hell when actually they're not they're talking about whether or not we are managing our lives in a way to receive our inheritance and rewards and if we don't there's wailing, there's gnashing of teeth i mean can you imagine standing before Jesus and and actually having squandered all of your all of your inheritance, and you're seeing the glories of God, and you're seeing what could have been yours, uh, uh, and particularly what could have been yours at least in in um, uh, the millennium, and you're standing there realizing, I, for nothing, I, I lost my inheritance. For nothing, I lost the rewards that had been accounted for me and account it to me. And so that's not not what we want to do. And that's not about staying out of heaven. And that's not even stay. I don't think it's about staying out of the millennium. It's about the level of responsibility, because um, if we have not been faithful with with that which is given to us in this realm and this life, we will not be faithful to rule and reign with him so we will have to have menial responsibilities during the millennium well that's better than nothing i can guarantee you this so now these are people who call jesus lord and i have heard this preached so many times that not you know not everyone who calls him lord lord is actually saved that's not what the scripture says it says not everyone calls him lord will enter into the kingdom of heaven well remember There are different aspects and dimensions of the kingdom of heaven. There's a kingdom of heaven right now, which is righteousness, peace, and joy. This is the ruling and the reigning of of the Lord Jesus Christ in your own heart and your own life. That's one aspect of the kingdom of heaven. There's another aspect of the kingdom of heaven that we understand um, to be the millennium, where Jesus rules and reigns on planet earth and and what we do in, in that time is going to be based on what we do in, in this time. And of course, there's, then there's the kingdom of heaven that, you know, that is expressed through eternity. So we don't have any indication to say that this right this scripture is talking about people who are not saved. We do know very specifically this reference, this teaching of Jesus, is a referral to people who, even though they are saved, they ignore the Word of God. Now, you have heard me say this, if you've followed me very long, you've heard me say this countless times, You know that there are, that there are several different Greek words for sin, and one of those Greek words for sin is, is, means to hear amiss, in other words, to hear something but not hold on to it, to actually hear something but not pay attention to it to hear something but let it slip from you and so if the lord is our shepherd and remember a shepherd's primary responsibility is to feed to lead and protect those are the primary responsibilities of a shepherd and then psalm 23 explains that uh and and goes into detail about those three aspects of being a shepherd and so if Jesus is our shepherd, then He is always attempting to lead us. He's always attempting to lead us down the path of righteousness. Well, remember, the, the path of righteousness is where you come into that place where there's life and there's absolutely no death whatsoever. He's trying to lead us to a place where we're not sick, where we're not hungry, where we're not hurting, where we're not in pain. And uh, and, and so that God's always trying to lead us out of the trouble that we're headed into and toward green pastures and still waters and, and his rod and his self comforting us. So anyhow, so he goes on to say in verse 22, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me, you who practice iniquity or lawlessness. Now the word lawlessness or the word iniquity comes from the Greek anomia, which means no law. And this is speaking of the people, particularly as we rush toward the second coming of Jesus. This is talking about people who reject the law and the commandments as the standard for morals, values, and ethics. Now, that does I'm not saying that you rely on the law and the commandments for righteousness. I'm not saying that you earn anything from God with the law and the commandments. I am saying the law and the commandments, according to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, are not done away with he has no intention of doing away with them they will never be done away with we just do not look to them to make us righteous and so jesus sounds more in this verse like he is talking to believers who live irresponsible lives believers who really aren't aren't paying attention to the word of god believers who are not building their house on the word of God. And by the way, the, house, the word house is an interesting thing because the Hebrew letter for house is the same as the Hebrew letter for heart. And so your house, uh, your life, all the things that comprise your life are actually in fact made up of the things that are in your heart. And so um, he says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them or puts them into practice Uh, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. This has nothing to do with earning anything from God. This is about trusting that God's smarter than you are, following him, paying attention to what he says, not letting it slip from you. So he says, uh, and the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall. Why? Because it was founded on the rock. Jesus himself is the rock, but the word of God is the uh the the informational um representation of all that jesus is and when you get out of harmony with the word of god you are out of harmony harmony with the god of the word and so so he gives us his word so that we can have protection in the storm we can have protection in these times uh of hardship in verse 26 though it goes on to say But everyone who hears a saying of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and it was a great fall. This is not talking about whether or not you are born again, or whether you're going to heaven or not going to heaven. This is talking about whether or not you are building your life on a commitment to Jesus as Lord and treating his word with the respect that it deserves because it is the word of our of our lord and so i i want to be able to be in any kind of storm and when the storm is over i'm standing my my house in other words my not just my physical home but my family my children the people i'm trying to help the people i'm trying to minister I want to see those people standing too. I want my obedience to be something that makes me capable of helping other people escape the dangers and the trouble that are in the world. Now, Jesus gave us a very interesting insight and very interesting and explicit instructions, for example, to uh, his disciples about what to expect in the not-too-distant future and what to expect in the very distant future, including the second coming of the Lord Jesus, including the rapture, and all those kinds of things. Now, we have one account of this in Matthew 24, and we have another account of this in Luke 21. There's actually another account uh, in, uh, in Mark, but uh, this is not repeated in John. So, it's called the Olivet Discord. Now, I'm going to go ahead and do a spoiler here. If you pay close attention, and we do not pay close enough attention, I mean, we got the Word of God that we got the Word of God that's going to deliver us, it's going to help us, it's going to strengthen us, that, that is going to give us everything we need to have a quality of life that is actually beyond anything that we have ever, ever uh, experienced uh, uh, in this life. But we don't treat it like that most people don't even know much of anything that's actually in the bible in fact i hate to say it but i just see so many people quoting what they call scriptures that are not scriptures they are not in the bible and many times they contradict the bible so by not knowing the bible people ignorantly put themselves into opposition to the bible and really they put themselves in opposition to god luke 21 Uh, I believe it was in Luke and one of the accounts of what I'm about to read to you is in Matthew 24, one is Luke 21. Now in Matthew 24, Jesus and his disciples are walking around in the temple area, and the the disciples are ooing and over all of these, all of these the temple and how wonderful it was. And Jesus said, Look, I'm gonna tell you something. This every stone. And this temple is going to be pulled down it's, this is going to be destroyed well man that troubled them so they asked him three questions when is, it, is this going to happen when is the temple going to be destroyed they said when are you coming back and what is the signs of your return so they asked him three questions and again we have this tendency when we read matthew 24 besides the fact that we don't pay close detail to what the word of god is saying we actually roll all three of these different answers into one answer and i'm telling you what it makes it makes any <laughs> it makes everything that jesus said impossible to understand because you can't roll three answers into one and come out with whatever it is that that you need so anyhow in luke 20 and and luke, luke 21 I'm going to use this because now, by the way, in one of these accounts, he act, it indicates that he is answering these questions and having this discussion at night. And then in another one of these accounts, uh, and I think, it's, I think the one in Matthew uh, 24 is the one that indicates they're in the daytime and they are there in the temple in the daytime. So not only are these two different accounts, they're incredibly similar. Not only are two different accounts, but they very specifically uh, deal with different things. So in Luke 21, he's talking to them and and he says, Look, take heed, pay attention, be alert uh, uh, that you are not deceived. Remember, deception is the number one enemy that we will face as we go into the beginning of sorrow, as we go into the, uh, the tribulation, as we go into looking for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, deceit is the number one thing that we're going to face. He says, for many will come in my name, and they'll say, I am he, and the time has drawn near, therefore do not go after them. But when you hear wars and commotions, do not be terrified, for these things must come to pass, but the end will not come immediately. So he's describing what it sounds like he described in Matthew 24 called the beginning of sorrows. And he's explaining that even when these wars and rumors of wars and all this kind of stuff starts happening, it doesn't mean the end is coming immediately. And so in verse 10, he says, then he said to them, nation will rise against nation kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes in various places and famine and pestilence. And there will be fearful sights and great signs in the heaven so this is and he and he says and they will lay hands on you and persecute you delivering you up to the synagogues and into the prisons and you will be brought for kings and rulers for my namesake now uh, in this passage of scripture this sounds almost identical to what is happening over in in matthew 24 with really one interesting exception in matthew he starts talking about the the uh, uh, beginning of sorrows, kingdom, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And then he says, and after that, and as the Greek is the word uh, metatata, which is v- a very interesting and significant word referring to, to something that is going to happen later. So in Luke, he talks about these, or Matthew talks about these things. And he says, but now I want to tell you the important thing of what's going to come after that. And so he jumps forward then, because he said this is after all this stuff, and talks about what is going to happen down the road for for his second coming. But here in Luke, he doesn't say, I'm going to tell you what's coming after that. He says, I'm going to tell you what's coming before all these things. So in Matthew, he jumps forward, but in Luke, he jumps back. And so in Luke, he's talking more about the immediate things that are going to happen right there uh, uh, in, in Jerusalem. Now, I'm not going to go into that, but when you look at, at verses through 13 through 18, he promises our protection, and he promises to use us in very unique ways to minister. Then in verse 20, he finally says, now, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then you know that the desolation is near, the desolation of Jerusalem. This is not talking about the second coming, the rapture, or, 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 the, or the end of times. He's saying, then let those who are, in, who are in Judea flee to the mountains, let those who are in the midst of her depart, and let not those who are in the country enter in, for these are the days of vengeance, that all things shall, all things which are written shall be fulfilled but woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days, for there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people, and uh, they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Now, this happened, this very event, exactly as he described it, happened 38 years later. Now, this is amazing to me, 38 years later, you suddenly uh, have uh, Jerusalem under siege by Titus. He was sent there by Nero of Rome, and he was sent there with the instructions to destroy, uh, destroy the temple and to set up an idol in the temple to totally desecrate the temple. Now, many people believe that was the, uh, the desolation. No, that was not the, the desolation. That that is two different events, and this is describing something that will happen uh, before we get to the end time things. So anyhow, I don't want to spend too much time on that because I want I want to get to something that shows you how much you can trust God, how much you can protect God. Here they are, 38 years later. Now I got to tell you, most of us would be hearing a miss by then. We would have forgotten what Jesus said. We wouldn't be paying attention to what Jesus said. If we even remembered what Jesus said, we probably would not. Figure out how we can apply it. So while Jerusalem is surrounded and being besieged, uh, Titus has to go back to Rome because of something that's going on there with Nero. And so basically, he tells his son, he says, he says, you know, don't continue the siege until I get back. I gotta go to Jer- I gotta go to Rome. I gotta deal with some things. So so even though they were still surrounded, the siege as a whole was not really progressing. Now, one historian that talks about this says that in this siege, one million and 100,000 Jews were killed, men, women, children. It was, it was a horrible slaughter. But this same uh, historian says that no Christians were killed in this siege. And you're thinking, how could a million hundred thousand people get killed? No Christians get killed. Well, it's pretty simple because the christians got together and said no wait a minute. And remember they're not even they don't even have a bible to get this out of. They're just remembering this. They said wait a minute, Jesus said all of this was going to happen. He said they were going to surround Jerusalem. He said, "Now look, when that happens, get out of the city. Run. Get away from the city. Don't come into the city." And that's exactly what the christians did during the period of time between when Titus went to Rome And when he came back and started the siege again, during that period of time, the Jews escaped from Jerusalem and a million Jews died. I want to tell you something. God has a way to get you out of every situation you're in. God will protect you. You want to learn to hear, to follow him, to trust him. All right, guys, I will talk to you again next week. Be sure and send this to your friends and everybody's trying to learn how to walk with God.
0: Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.